We are continuing our series on conflict resolution. A couple reasons we're returning to this uh, series is, uh, you know, one, 2022, we want it to be a year of connection, a year where we um, connect with God, we connect with one another, we connect with our community, and we really can't connect deeply with one another if we don't know how to resolve conflict, because oftentimes we're in conflict and it's an opportunity to draw deeper and get closer to one another, but instead we withdraw. So we need to learn how to resolve conflict. But also that we're returning this because, you know, our faith is a faith that guides us in real life issues, in real life living. And conflict is inevitable, Right? We can't go throughout life without, ha- we can't go throughout the day without some form of conflict. Conflict is inevitable because we are fallen, fallible human beings whom God has given free will. So there's going to be conflict. So, how do we resolve that? How do we walk in a way worthy of the calling that Christ has put on our lives? Because Christ has called us to not only follow Him and receive God's forgiveness, but to follow Him in that reconciliation with one another. So we are doing a couple things. One is we're looking at biblical principles for conflict resolution, but we're also using a book uh, called Conflict, Resolving Conflict by Lou Priolo and actually a couple other works too. And one of the central scriptures we've been looking at is Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. All right, so put that up. The Apostle Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So we're called to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's conflict resolution, right? We have to resolve conflict if we're going to maintain that bond of peace and that unity. And of course, the book of Ephesians is all in the context of the the Christian community, but many of these concepts help us resolve um, conflict in in all of our relationships, but it's especially true for the community of Christ. Just to review the first two weeks, we talked about the heart conditions that are required to both prevent conflict and to resolve it because our words and our actions flow from our heart. So verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, right? So humility and gentleness, we talked about the first week, and then patience and bearing with one another in love. These are the heart qualities that if we cultivate these things in our hearts, we'll naturally be peacemakers, that from our hearts will flow that prevention of conflict, but also that desire to resolve conflict. So that was our first two weeks. If you missed those, you can listen to them online. But the next two in our series, we're going to talk more about, all right, well, how do you resolve particular types of conflicts? And today we're going to specifically focus on how to resolve conflicts that involve sin. Now, not all conflicts involve sin. Some conflicts are simply disagreements, and you uh, can't see eye to eye, but they're, again, not, no one's sinning. So an example would be a married couple, and they might have disagreements, all right, how much money should we save and how much money should we spend? 
right? There's no necessarily no sin there. It's just a disagreement that they have to work through. That's not a sin conflict. Now, what usually happens is, unfortunately, things escalate, and then what wasn't a sin conflict becomes a sin conflict because we lose our cool and all of that stuff. Um, but in and of itself, there are many things that the conflict doesn't have to do with sin. It's just disagreement. And as we spoke about last week, when that happens, then you, how you resolve it is bearing with one another in love. There's a loving forbearance. There's an understanding. All right, we disagree on this, but we can compromise. We can work through. But there's no sin involved. Now, when there is sin involved, then the way to resolve that is either through justice or forgiveness. Right? Those are the two avenues that if there is sin, it's justice or forgiveness, that for sin conflicts, sometimes loving confrontation is necessary to bring about repentance and forgiveness or justice. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we resolve conflicts when there's sin involved? We need to be quick to seek forgiveness if we're the ones sinning, but then we also need to be quick to give forgiveness. And how do we deal with that? Well, I've got a, a, uh, a handy uh, graphic that Rayanne gave me. So I want to give credit to Rayanne. Put that hand up there. She really gave me a hand in this whole process. But, um, you know, if, if we're in a conflict and we are the ones who have sinned against somebody else, oftentimes, even when we apologize they don't necessarily receive that. They don't receive the apology. And so Gary Chapman wrote a book about the five languages of apology, and Rianne put it, put it to the, the graphic of the hand. And the idea is this, I think this graphic today will help us both understand how to apologize well and how to seek forgiveness well, but I think it'll also help us understand, all right, that process of forgiveness and what it can look like. And so the, the talk to the hand. Uh, so there's the hand, and, and the, the pinky there is the past, right? So a part of it is accept, the past is re accepting responsibility, right? So let's, let's say you lied, okay? So in this relationship, there's a conflict because you lied. What would that look like? That would look like confession, right? I lied, acknowledging and taking responsibility for that action. So the past, present is an expression of regret, right? I'm sorry, I apologize, or I'm sad, I, I regret doing that. That's so past, present, future, that's the, and future is repenting. That is, all right, in the future, what am I going to do? So uh, now using biblical language, that idea of repentance is not just you feel bad about it, not just that you admit you did it, but that you're turning, right? You're turning from that sin. You're turning away from it, and ultimately you want to turn to God. But again, the future is, no, I'm leaving that behind, all right? And then the next finger would be fix, Right? How are you going to fix this? A part of that is restitution. So if you stole something, you give it back, all that. Uh, but when, you've, when, it's, when we're talking about a lie, well, what does it look like to fix it? Well, it looks like to tell the truth, but it also might be because you lied, it's caused this person other kind of difficulty in other relationships. So a fix might be not only am I confessing this to you and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm apologizing and all this, but I'll, I'll let that other person know. That, yeah, that was my bad. I was the one who lied and caused all of this. So that might be a fix. And then finally, forgiveness. Will you forgive me? 
Will you forgive me? And if your apology includes all of these things, generally people can hear you. But notice that forgiveness part. You ask, will you forgive me? But now it's up to the other person, right? They now, will they forgive you? Will they restore the relationship to where it was before? Because sin kind of breaks that relationship. And when you forgive, what you're doing is saying, all right, I'm going to restore that relationship. And we're going to talk more about, all right, well, what about, you know, do you have to totally restore the relationship just like before? We're going to talk about that. But I think that hand is a good graphic, and I appreciate Rayanne giving it to me. She probably, if, if you want to talk to her, she probably has a, a better explanation and a longer explanation, uh, maybe. I'm not saying that you'd have long explanations, Rayanne. I'm just, all right. I'm sorry, Rayanne, that I have insulted you in front of people. <laughs> um, so what are, what are other examples, right, of, of, um, of sin conflicts, right? I talked about lying, broken promises, right, where you said you were going to return something or repay, you didn't, uh, marriage vows, broken marriage vows, intentionally hurting someone, uh, disregarding people, uh, using them instead of loving them, uh, gossiping. We could, again, there's so many different things that are sins and it causes conflict, and our standard for saying, hey, what's a sin and what's not, is the scriptures. And so, when we sin against someone, when there is a conflict and we know that, you know, through scriptures and through the spirit that says, no, you're wrong in this, we need to quick, be quick to apologize. And again, often by saying, all right, you know, going through the hand, that helps us not only give a full-orbed apology to someone and seeking their forgiveness, but I think it also helps us check our hearts. It's like, all right, am I, you know, am I really apologizing or am I just manipulating? You know, and so we can check our hearts also through the hand. Um, but sometimes we're the one wronged, right? Sometimes that uh, we're in a conflict and the other person has sinned against us. How, what do we do then? You know, may, we maybe even have apologized ourselves, but now what about the other person? Well, then we have two options, right? How do we handle it? One is loving confrontation, right, to bring about justice. The other is to actually immediately forgive and to overlook the sin, and we're going to talk about that. I want to sort of give a little caveat that, you know, loving confrontation, you know, we're mostly talking about our goal is to restore the bond of peace, restore the unity of the Spirit. And so... Uh, I'm going to address it a little bit, but we're not talking about those sins where um, you're in danger, where that uh, there really is, when it looks at the relationship, there's been such a break in the relationship because uh, of violence that you're not restoring the bond of peace because the violent, there, there isn't a bond of peace there, right? There's been violence there. And so that often you can still forgive, but that doesn't mean you're going to restore the relationship because the relationship is dysfunctional and harmful. Okay? So I'm not talking about those types of things necessarily. I'm more talking about, all right, we want to restore the bond of peace. Because sometimes uh, that loving confrontation, if it's serious enough, it might involve the authorities. But how do we do that? How do we lovingly confront or overlook? And how do we decide which is which? Well, let's go to the easier one. Because I think when it comes to conflicts, like, we all would like to just sort of ignore it and avoid it. 
And sometimes we can, even with sin conflicts, because some sinful behaviors can be forgiven quickly. And I say this because of the Scripture. So Proverbs 19.11 says this, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. So it's, it's a good thing to sometimes look, overlook an offense. 1 Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. So sometimes, again, you don't necessarily get that apology. You don't necessarily get it. But, but you decide, no, I'm going to forgive that person. Even though the rest of this stuff really isn't in place, I can still choose to forgive that person. So, for instance, a family member uh, promises to help you out, right, to help you move, let's say, and they just forget. Well, you could confront or you could say, you know what, I realized that they were super busy and they just, they just forgot it, so they didn't do what they were going to say. I'm just, I am, I am lovingly forgiving them. I am, uh, and we'll talk about what forgiveness means. For an example of, of lying, someone might lie to you because they're, the family member lies to you and you realize, well, they're lying because they're actually just too embarrassed of the truth. They can't quite bring it to them, but I'm just going to lovingly overlook that because perhaps the best way to preserve unity in the bond of peace is to forgive right on the spot. So what is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness is canceling the debt. It's releasing someone from what they owe you. It's a choice. So, uh, again, we're just using that example of lying. You were owed the truth, right? You should have been told the truth. They owed that to you but they didn't give that to you, but yet you release them in this instance from that debt. That's what forgiveness is. It's you were owed something and you're releasing them from that. You make the choice to release them from that obligation. And again, people don't necessarily have to ask you um, for forgiveness in order to forgive them. But I also want to say that sometimes or often it's important to, to consciously, even though you're overlooking a sin, it's helpful to consciously say, all right, that was wrong, but I'm releasing them from that debt anyways. And the reason I say that is sometimes we don't really forgive. We just put it out of our minds. Do you know what I mean? Someone has done you wrong, and you're like, okay, well, I'm just, yeah. But we don't really say, wait a minute, I am actually releasing this to God. This was wrong, but I am releasing that person from that debt. And the reason that's important is that if we just sort of overlook things without truly forgiving, then yeah, it's a little thing, but it's like stones in our pocket, right? And when we're trying to tread water, if you've got pockets full of stones, you get tired easier. So it's important that even when you are forgiving that person on the spot, there's no confrontation, I, I think it's important to often say, no, I've released that person. I've released this debt so that we're free. And married couples, uh, we know that like, this is one of the things we have to do a lot of, right, is releasing that debt. There's a small sin. I know uh, sometimes... Uh, when I do premarital counseling, you know, people come and they're like, oh, well, no, we'll, we'll never, we'll never sin against one another. You know, we're so in love and everything is unicorns and rainbows. And it's like, all right. Um, the fact is proximity is the, the more you're with somebody, the more you will sin against them. 
All right? not, not that it's an exponential increase, but just we're sinful, fallen human beings. So the more time you spend with someone, the more likely you are going to sin against them. And so there's so many times where we have to say, all right, I'm forgiving that. Um, parents too, right? You're with your kids all the time. So that, what does that mean? You're going to have to forgive them all the time. The more you're with somebody, the more you're going to have to forgive them. That's just what happens. Um, and so if you can, it is possible to overlook that sin. Don't let it build up. Now, some sins should not be overlooked. All right, so how do we know? How do we know when to conf- lovingly confront or to simply overlook a sin? Well, if there's a habitual kind of sin or a deep hurt where, again, that relationship has been broken. Right? And, and, you know, I, the, we, the, I need to restore the bond of peace, that this has really broken the relationship. Well, then that's probably when you need to lovingly confront. Or it's a habitual sin where this person just keeps doing it over and over again, and you know there can't be a bond of peace as long as they keep walking in this behavior. Well, then that's time for loving confrontation. The other sort of test is what's most loving for that person? Yeah, for that person. What's most loving? Because if they're doing something that's hurting them, hurting your relationship, hurting the community they're in, then loving confrontation is in order. And that's just scriptural. Luke 17.3 says this. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins... Rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. See, these are the tough ones, is that, all right, um, you know, we often want to just forget about sins or forgive them quickly, but there's ones that where we know the Scripture calls us lovingly confront. That's what rebuke is, with the hopes that the relationship will be restored, the hopes that this person would get right uh, with God. And Notice in this scripture, it says, all right, if your brother sins, rebuke him, but if he repents, forgive him. So the goal in any loving confrontation is repentance and restoration. It's repentance and restoration. And repentance, as we saw, it involves agreeing that my action is wrong and I'm turning from it. And if a person repents, Scripture is clear, you forgive them. So remember, that the hand gives us a good idea of what is, you know, what does fully orbed uh, repentance look like? So a couple more biblical concepts on confrontation. The goal of, of loving confrontation is to restore a brother, to restore a sister. It's not to manipulate, it's not to punish. Look at Galatians 6.1. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Again, what's, lo- what's the goal of loving um, confrontation? It's restoration. And here the warning is, if you, don't, if you don't do it in that spirit of gentleness, if your goal is not to truly restore that person, then you're the one who's going to fall into sin. So here's some concepts. One is spirit of gentleness. We already talked about those heart attitudes the last couple weeks. That if our heart is gentleness, 
in humility, right, that helps us lovingly confront. Gentleness, it helps us keep our emotions in check. It's blow-up prevention. Now, we can also add the humble attitude. And a humble attitude means that when we go to someone and lovingly confront them, it's not with a holier-than-thou kind of attitude. It's an attitude of, I'm not perfect. And, I, and acknowledging, acknowledging our own um, failings. I think that's what Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says. This is a very famous passage where Jesus is teaching. And in Matthew 7, verse 3, he says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Skip to verse 5. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and when you see clearly to take the speck out of then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I talked about this. Having a humble attitude means that we take responsibility for our part first, right? That's what removing that speck means, that we don't take this out of context and like, well, I can never lovingly confront anyone until I'm sin-free because then we wouldn't be able to follow any of the scriptures, right? It's more of this acknowledgement. So let's just say, again, using that illustration of or example of someone lying to you, let's say that they lied to you and it really got you mad, so you blew up and you started to cut them down. Oh, you're a liar. You never do this stuff. Well, when you confront that person about their lies, acknowledge your responsibility. Like, listen, I should not have blown up, right? I lost my, I lost my temper and I cut you down. I regret that. Right? In our conversation, our future conversations, I will try to speak in a loving manner. All right? Again, and there's the fix, and then will you forgive me? And then, all right, there's forgiveness there. Now, can we move on and talk about your habitual lying or whatever the thing is? But you come at the person not as a holier than thou, I've got all my stuff together, but you come at them with a humility and saying, I want to truly restore this relationship, and I'm acknowledging my part. But the Bible gives even more instruction about loving confrontation, particularly in the church body. It's found in Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Again, what we see in this scripture is the, the biblical uh, instruction, loving confrontation, the goal is restoration, right? Because if, if your brother repents, Hey, you've won your brother. It's all done. The conflict is over, right? You've, there's been repentance. There's been forgiveness. That's all it needs. But look at the other principle here, and that is go privately, right? Keep the circle of confrontation as small as possible for as long as possible. You go to that person, you and that person, and you talk through it. So many times, what do we do? We go and we tell everyone else about it and because what we really want is we don't want restoration. We don't want a, a good reconciliation. We just want to be right. 
We don't want reconciliation. We want to be right. So we look to people to sort of say, oh, yeah, I think that person's wrong, blah, blah, blah. In the circle of confrontation, you've just made it a lot larger. No, go to that person privately and work it out with them. But so many times we expand the circle of confrontation when, no, it's God. The only time you bring others in is that, oh, like, they're not seeing this, and, and we can't resolve this on our own. That person is not acknowledging their sin. That's when you bring someone in. And the reason you do that, a couple reasons. One is, yeah, perhaps they can mediate between the two, but also you need to check yourself because maybe you're like, oh, this person is wrong. That's a sin. And you, you, you consult with someone. They're like, that's just a disagreement. Like, that's just a difference of opinion. They didn't sin against you. And then you go, oh. <laughs> or... They're like, yes, that's right. You're, you're right, and I will go, and, and, and we will help that person sort of see. But too many times, we go to everybody else first and not the person who we feel we're in conflict with. So Scripture is clear. And it's also clear that the goal is restoration. It's restoration. So I also want to note, all right, that... You know, when you forgive somebody, all right, we go through, the, there, there's an apology, right? And, and let's just, and that, that sin has broken the relationship. And you can choose to forgive and, the, and restore the relationship just as is. Or sometimes, because of the nature of that sin, yes, you forgive, but the relationship is not restored in the same way as it was before. And the reason is that there needs to be boundaries. The reason is that maybe a part of the fix, right, fixing that conflict is, no, we need boundaries. You know, the, that our relationship as it was, it wasn't a bond of peace. And so sometimes to restore that, it's, again, because when you forgive someone, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the consequences of their actions don't need to be played out. Again, especially if they broke the law or something. All right, I forgive you, but you still need to go through the courts or whatever. Or I forgive you, and that's given. That's my decision to forgive you, but trust, that's earned, right? That's different. And so I'm still going to put boundaries in this relationship. Yeah, I'm forgiving you, but in order to truly have a relationship, right, when you walk all over me or whatever, no, that's not going to happen. And so here's certain boundaries. And if the person has truly repented, right, one of the fixes might be, yeah, of course, uh, I agree to that boundary because that's one of the ways that I can make it right. So, again, when, when you forgive somebody, that doesn't, that you're choosing to release them from their debt, but that restoring of the relationship, again, you can restore a relationship, you can, uh, but, but that doesn't, or you can decide, all right, I'm not going to restore this relationship as it was before because it was dysfunctional, it was harmful, or whatever. All right, so do you see the, the kind of difference between, you know, forgiveness and restoration and, and all of that? Hopefully. Hopefully the hand helped. If not, you can slap me with a hand later. <laughs> and you know, I know this is a difficult subject because forgiveness is difficult. But God is our fount of supernatural forgiveness. And I know that's especially needed when someone has hurt you deeply or someone has, just keeps hurting you. 
In fact, this crazy call to forgiveness, both seeking it quickly and giving it quickly, it only makes sense and it's only possible if we've received God's forgiveness. You know, we pray the Lord's Prayer. I hope we pray it. Sometimes we just say it, but I hope we pray it. And then the Lord's Prayer is, Lord, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. There's a close connection between understanding God's forgiveness and then having our own ability to forgive others. We, if we're just relying on our own ability to forgive, we're going to run out. But if we connect with God and attach to his supernatural ability then not only do we have his love and his forgiveness beyond ourselves, we have his transformation. And we have a call that because God forgave me, I want to display his forgiveness and his reconciliation in all my other relationships. Because think about it. We, we have to repent from our rejection of God. Uh, all right, so again, let's look at our hand and with our relationship with God. We have not, every one of us, we have not treated God as he deserves. He is God Almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And a part of becoming a Christian is recognizing that, confessing that, God, I have not treated you as God. We could add tons of other sins because every sin we do against other people, we also do against God because he is the one who has set the rules. He is the great judge. So, the, yes, we all have not treated God as God. But then we've lied. We've cheated. We've treated other people. When God tells us, love your neighbor, we've hated our neighbor. We've abused our neighbor. And so a part of it is, is confessing. And that's the biblical term is confessing that we, in the past, we have done wrong. And then it's acknowledging that to God in the present. And then the repentance is the future. God, I, I am turning from treating myself as God, uh, sinning, do, walking in this way, and I'm turning to you. Right? That's repentance. But now we run into a snag. We have fix, right? That's the next finger is fix. We can't fix it. I mean, we have sinned against a holy God, the judge of all the earth. We can't make, we can't make up for that. We've sinned against the holy God. And even if we were to work our whole lives for the smallest sin, we just, there's nothing we can do about it. But the good news is Christ did something about it. God did something about it. He says, no, I know you can't fix it. I know you can't pay the price for your sins, so I will pay them for you. I will pay for your sins on the cross so that now the, whatever separated us from God is removed. He has fixed it so there is forgiveness. There's a restoration of the relationship between us and God. And when we understand that, when we grab onto that, then yes, it makes us have God's spirit of forgiveness so we can forgive others as well. So first things first, friends, whether you're here or online, if you, if you have not 
repented, if you have not received God's forgiveness, if you have not received his fi- the, the fixing of that problem, do that now. And maybe the fact that you can't forgive a certain person and it's just gnawing at you from the inside out and you can't forgive them, then maybe that's a sign that you haven't received God's supernatural forgiveness. And sometimes we're like, oh, well, when did you first believe? I don't know, and I don't care. I just know if now, if now you can't forgive someone, then run to God, receive his forgiveness, receive God's forgiveness, and then let him do that transforming work. So maybe that is what you need to do today. But for all of us, what we need is to be quick to ask for forgiveness and quick to receive forgiveness. You know, a part of that, when you realize how you've sinned against God and you look at, God, at God's perfect standard, then it should give us a humility. So, so we should assume, yeah, I'm messing up. I'm going to be quick to ask for forgiveness because I know I need it. Yes, I've received it from God, but I need, I'm always messing up. I always need that forgiveness. And so maybe there's a relationship that you have today and you know, yeah, I'm in the wrong. I need to seek forgiveness. Do the apology hand. <laughs> but then there's others. And you know, you're having trouble forgiving somebody. Go to God in these moments. Again, understand that forgiveness doesn't mean that, oh, if I forgive them, now they can walk all over me. If I forgive them, no, it... Forgiveness means you are releasing that person to God. They did owe you. What they did was wrong, but you are releasing that to God. Doesn't mean that the relationship is necessarily restored, but it does mean that particular sin, you've released it. And you know, maybe you also have a relationship where you're like, yeah, this can't go on unless there's some boundaries. That's a whole other subject. Um, But let's go to God now. Let's ask him to work in our relationships. Dear Lord, uh, we confess that we are all, we've all fallen short. Lord, I pray that we would seek your forgiveness. Lord, if there are any here who have not had their relationship with, restored with you, I pray, Lord, they would confess, they would repent, and they would receive your forgiveness. We all need it, Lord. I thank you so much for your promise of forgiveness. But Lord, I pray that now you'd be bringing to mind the different issues in each one of our hearts, conflicts in our lives with other people. Lord, may you take some of these concepts and use them to transform us, to be more like you. Lord, for those who need to repent and ask for forgiveness from a friend or family member, I pray, Lord, they would run to do that. I pray we, each one of us, would run to do that. And Lord, for those who are working through that decision to forgive somebody else who's hurt them, Lord, I pray that you would also fill them with your spirit so they would do that as well. And Lord, as a body of believers, would you help us be real? Would you help us lovingly confront one another, loving, lovingly forgive one another, even, uh, even without that confrontation, so that we can exhibit your love, that we can be peacemakers in our relationships and in our church. Lord, do that in us and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen.